morbid thought. What a way to start the sermon off right here. What if, what if today was it? What if something happens today and suddenly you realize that your time, your time is up? It happens. It's happened to people I know in the past week. What happens if something comes on you that makes you know your time is, is up before the day's over? You have moments, maybe hours. What was the thing that you would say, oh man, oh, I didn't see this coming? If only, if only I'd known, I would have taken care of this. I would have done that. I would, I would have made that thing happen I've been putting off. I just didn't know I was out of time. What if you had a little more heads up? What if you knew that this was the last week or month? Suddenly you just knew this was the news came. It was done. You had this week or so. What's the thing? What's the thing that you would say, oh man, you know, I, always gonna, I was always going to do that someday. Man, I got I to gotta get these things in order now. I got to take care of this now. I got to set this straight now. Suddenly, it's all different. My priorities are different because I thought I had more time to worry about that some other day. What's that thing that if it was all over now, you would wish you did or you would suddenly aim to do differently? Maybe, maybe it's taking time for God to just stop and say, God, I'm going to see you sooner than I thought. How are we? Maybe it's, I'm going to find time to pray, get the scriptures, spend time with God. Maybe, maybe it would be something where you'd say, it's time to make that phone call I've not been wanting to make. It's time to make that phone call. It may, it's time to, maybe it's time to make that apology to somebody I've been holding off and not wanting to face. I need to apologize. Maybe it's I need to forgive something I've refused to forgive, but I don't want to leave it off this way. It's time to forgive. Maybe it's time to look at this relationship with my, with my spouse and clear the air and be sweet and make this wholesome like it hasn't been for a while. Tell my children some things I've wanted to pass on that I keep putting off because life is busy, but I need to say it now. Maybe it's, I've been meaning to give generously and feel called to do, but I always thought I'll do it someday once I take care of my plans, but my time is up. I need to do something to give generously while I could do my giving while I'm living. Or I want to serve in some way, but I've been waiting because I thought I had more time, but I want to take the time I have left to serve. Or maybe it's you fill in the blank. I don't know. What would be that thing that if all of a sudden it was up, you would wish you could still do, or if you had enough time to do something you would suddenly do that right now you don't think about because we assume, well, we'll do it someday. But a sudden near ending would change it all. What would that be? Now, you say, Arlen, thank you. It was a good song. It was all upbeat and happy. Everything was wonderful. And then you got to go there. You just ruined the whole thing just now. Thank you very much. You're welcome. 
But don't get mad at me. I'm just setting you up for what James is going to do today. Because we are studying, if you've been with us the last couple of months, we are studying the book of James. James was the half-brother of Jesus, the younger brother of Jesus, grew up with him, did not believe on him until after Jesus died and rose again and did what he said he was going to do. Then James became a believer, uh, spread the gospel, served the kingdom, and served in the name of his brother, and became a leader in the local church of Jerusalem. But James not only became a leader in the church of Jerusalem, but James also decided that he wanted to spread with his message beyond Jerusalem because there were, there were missionaries like Paul and others going out and, and bringing the good news of Jesus to all these other people. And there were Jewish people who lived in other cities and countries around them who met in their weekly synagogues perhaps, that they were hearing about Jesus and believing on Jesus. And James wanted to speak into their lives as well as to his local church in Jerusalem that he led. But unfortunately, James's YouTube channel had not grown that big yet. It was still they were still working on it, and so as he tried to get the word out and, and grow the you know grow his uh, his uh, number of followers, he decided I better go ahead and write a letter. So James wrote a letter and sent it to all those other cities, all those places, to those Jewish believers to tell them what he may have been telling the people in Jerusalem every week. But he wanted the people far away to know it as well. We've been studying that letter. We call it the book of James. It's found in our Christian scriptures, or what we might call the New Testament. Um, it's found in there. And James... Um, writes this letter, and we've been studying it since, eight, since May 16th. And that's all the background I can give you, other than to say that if you missed that and want more information, go to our website. The video and audio links are there all the way back to May 16th. But today we're going to wrap up James chapter 4. So if you want to follow along in your Bibles, if you brought a hard copy of your Bible or a digital version on your tablet or a device, uh, we'll be in James 4, verses 13 through 18. As we finish up James chapter 4 today, and there's only one more chapter after this, so we've got about a month to go here. But James is going to talk about what I started off today in my morbidity bringing up. James is going to start a conversation in these short few verses that we need to think about a little bit together. Let's begin as he addresses some well-intentioned but forgetful believers in James 4 and verse 13. Here's what he wrote. Look here, look here, you who say, uh, today or tomorrow, we are going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year and we will do business there and make a profit. So in other words, he's talking to people who they're just kind of planning ahead. And by the way, on, on the surface, let me say this right now, on the surface, that's pretty, that's good. That's, that's reasonable, Right? Like it's reasonable to sit there and say, well, let's see here. Paychecks coming Friday. I need to make sure I have enough money set aside for the next mortgage payment. And I got some plans and I got to expand the business. And what are we going to do? And what's our retirement plan? And, and I, got to, I, I got some trips. I want to, want to plan for our next vacation when we go somewhere together and blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's, that's reasonable. This is just, he's talking to people who are doing what humans do. Or, or I probably should do, right? Because uh, if, if you were to read and he's writing to a Jewish audience of believers, they would have had access mostly to the Hebrew scriptures, the ancient Hebrew scriptures. And they would know that in the book of Proverbs, we were told over and over again to be prudent. Prudent people look ahead to what's coming next. Prudent people look ahead and say, I'm not, I'm not thinking only about right now, I'm, I'm planning ahead. So this is reasonable. He's saying, hey, you, you, you in my audience who are, who are talking and sitting around in your group saying, today I'm going to do this, tomorrow we're going to go here, we're going to go to this town, we're going to stay a certain place for you, we're going to make a profit in our business next year. He says, I'm talking to you. 
and he asks them a question in verse 14. He says, how do you know? How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? He's like, really? I mean, seriously, tomorrow? We don't know. Things happen. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? He says, your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, and then it's gone. He said, you ever get up in the morning, and you go outside, and it's foggy outside? And you go out there, and, and you realize that, you know, it's just, everything's different when it's foggy. I kind of like it. I, like, I always like, uh, you know, the storms and the fog, all that, because it's something different. It's just neat. And, and the fog's neat unless you're in a hurry to get somewhere and you're trying to drive too fast through the fog. That's never a good plan. But it's neat. You're like, where did this come from? Like, this is a different kind of day. But at some point, it seems like it's never going to go away. It's just, it's just lingering, this lingering fog, until all of a sudden, at some point, it just dissipates. It just is there. And then if you're, you might notice it dissipating all, all of a sudden and see it happening quickly, or all of a sudden, sometimes you're just doing your own thing and then it's gone. You don't know what happened. I wasn't paying attention. It's, it's gone. James is like, hey, that's your life. Your life is like that, that mist. It's like a vapor. It's like a morning fog. It comes and it's here for a little bit. And sometimes it comes unannounced. Some of you came unannounced, right? Some of us came unannounced. Some of you, your dad was shocked. <laughs> some of your parents were both mortified. And I'm just kidding. like, what in the world? Uh, hey, you came. You, you, were, you were surprised. They called it a surprise. And you've been surprising ever since, right? And, and then, but then you live. And um, when the end comes, it just comes. We don't, it's like the fog. We don't know when it's going to lift, but it, it, you might start to see the signs. You might get an idea that's happening quickly, or you might just, it might just be sudden. It, just, it goes away. Most of us, we don't, get a, we don't know our expiration moments, right? Let's just be honest. We just know it's going ha- to expire, at some point, whether you live a really long time to an old age or whether it's relatively young, things happen. I've been reminded just lately of how brief and short life can be on the highway. Just one bad turn. I just talked to a brother-in-law of mine who sat in jury duty not long ago for a couple older ladies who were coming home from someplace and they got on an exit and they pulled off the, on the side of the highway. They lost something or dropped something, forgot something. They pulled off the side of the road in their car right on the, off the exit, exit ramp. Someone came by and the person who was driving by looked down briefly because they dropped something or spilled something and they looked up and they had swerved off and they killed both of those ladies just like that. Just in a moment on the way from a concert or something like that, boom, life is gone. It just it happens. It just happens. Um, <laughs> this week, I was reminded of my mom of, a, of her boss at her job she just retired from uh, who um, uh, I've met. 50-year-old guy, just had COVID and died, didn't make it. Just shocked everybody. Um, here's, my, here's my point. Um, life is fragile. And it, and it comes, and James is just saying to his guys, guys, listen, how do you know what your life is going to be like tomorrow? You're, you're making plans, but how do you know? Because life is this vapor. It's this thing that is there, and then it's gone. And in the big, even if you live a long life in the big scheme of things, you just got this window, and it's, just, it's over when it's over, and you usually don't see it coming. You might, you might get a trip to the doctor because something's wrong and, and get a, a, some suddenly surprising bad news that gives you a little idea of how fast it's dissipating, a little heads up. But ultimately, at some point in time, there's that shocking moment of, oh, because that's life. We don't know about tomorrow. Now James is the, 
Debbie Downer. Can you imagine if, if James is writing this in a letter? Imagine if James is writing this in a letter because he says this all the time in his church in Jerusalem. Not just from the grand stage of, of if they had one, but maybe he's in a small group of guys and they're talking and, he's, and he shares this thought. Can you picture a group of guys getting together for a small group and James is in the group and they're all talking. They're like, hey guys, what you got planned here? Oh yeah, we're going to golf in the morning, tee off time at 8.30 a.m. And then, uh, oh by the way, how's that plan? I got a business. I'm hiring a new CFO for our company this week and I'm excited about bringing them in. Oh man, we're going to turn a profit this year. Hey, we're going to go to that city next year. Got plans, got to take a vacation trip. And they're all talking and James is over here on the side. And all of a sudden James is like, hey guys, uh, how do you know? But tomorrow... Life is like a vapor. It's a little cloud. Just boom, it's gone. Like, like thank you, James. I appreciate uh, that word of encouragement there. Thanks for bringing that, that perspective into our nice conversation. We are having a good time until James came along. It's all, be all morbid on us here. I mean, it was just like we were just making some plans. Do you mind? There's a Debbie Downer here. Negative Nancy. How come these poor names like Nancy and Debbie get these negative connotations? Debbie, Debbie Downer, Negative Nancy. Isn't that horrible? Like, these adjectives. Like, we need a new ones here. Awesome Arlen, something, I don't know. But um, James, you know, Judgy James, I don't know. He's over here um, just really ruining the mood. And so they're like, hey, um, James, why are you telling us this? But James was not trying to just ruin the party. He wasn't trying to be that guy. He was saying, you're missing a perspective. Now, don't miss this now. What James, I don't think what James is doing here, we're going to see this momentarily. James was not saying that we shouldn't plan ahead. Because again, the scriptures taught that they would have the Hebrew, the Proverbs would be in their, in their scriptures. They were taught to be prudent and to look ahead, to think ahead. He's not saying we're changing all of that. What, he was not saying that a better way to live is to say, YOLO. I mean, you know, uh, who cares? Eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow. We shall die. He was not saying that. He was not saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to live like there's no tomorrow. I'm just going to quit my job. How do I eat next week? Who cares? Today, woo. He wasn't saying be reckless and stupid and unthoughtful. He was not advocating for the crowd that, if people were hearing James say this who were reckless and saying, yeah, that's right, you bad planners, that was not his point. He wasn't saying live like there's no tomorrow. He's saying while you're planning, while you're being prudent, while you're looking ahead, you're missing something very important because somewhere in your planning, you have assumed that you have something that you don't necessarily have and has allowed you to feel independent of something that you should not be independent of. It's allowed you to take a sense of pride that you might not even think is prideful, but a certain pride of life that assumes and takes for granted what the future holds, that I'm planning, what I'm going to do. But how do you know? James was reminding his audience of something that these were Jewish believers he was speaking to. They, if they knew the scriptures, they might remember an old psalm. There was an old psalm written that they would have maybe memorized. It was a prayer, actually. You may have heard it before yourself. It's Psalms 90, verse 12. It says this, Lord, teach us to realize the brevity of life. Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. This was a prayer they would pray. It was, it was a psalm. It was, they would sing it, actually. Lord, teach us to realize the brevity of life. Teach us because we forget. Teach us because we take it for granted. Teach us because we feel like the next day will be like this day, but maybe hopefully a little bit better. 
Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that, so that in doing so, not that, so that we can be reckless or, or not so that we can despair or not so that, no, so that, we, so that we can grow in wisdom. You see, what he's saying is this. He's saying things change because what happens is this. I want, I want to be prudent and look ahead, but I don't want to look past what I shouldn't look past. Because if I'm living for the if I'm, if I'm if I'm living recklessly only for today, I won't plan for the future and I won't be thinking of tomorrow like I should. But if I'm thinking about tomorrow only, I'm forgetting what needs to be done today. I got to make sure that I'm not overlooking something important. I need some wisdom because life is brief. It's a vapor. It's a fog that lifts suddenly. So James, back to the book of James. James gives them a statement that. Is, is kind of his point. When he brings up this whole morbid topic, he's trying to get them to a spot where they'd say, oh no, I'm making plans for next year. I'm making plans for my business. I'm making plans for my future. I'm making plans for my vacation coming up. But I don't even know that I have tomorrow. By doing that, he's trying to bring them to a sense of saying, oh yeah, the humility of a lack of complete control that would bring them to a spot where they would make a good move. And here's what he recommended they would do. In James 4.15, he says, what you ought to say what you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. If the Lord wants us to, that's it. If the Lord wants us to, we, isn't that true, by the way? Both parts. If the Lord wants us to, we will live. <laughs> and we'll do this or that. Look, I can't control. The truth is, is that no matter how dangerous something is or how scary something is, if God wants me to live, no one can take that from me. He can bring me through any harrowing situation. He can preserve me through anything that seems impossible. He can miraculously heal me. But also, if the Lord says, this is my time, ain't nothing going to stop him. The truth is, if the Lord wants us to, we'll live. And if the Lord wants us to, we will be able to do this or that. That's the, that's the bottom line. And so, what he's saying here is, remember the Lord. He come to him and say, well, if he wants me to, Lord, thank you for this day because you gave me this day. I hope I have more. Do I? I don't know. You know. See, it's remembering something that I don't know if I have to. The question earlier was, who knows that you have tomorrow? Well, God knows. That's the humility. I don't know that I have tomorrow. Who does know? God knows. God, do I have more time? If you want me to, I'll live. And if you want me to, I'll do this or that. God, what do you want me to do? James is not discouraging planning. In fact, James is saying planning is good. In this verse right here, we see that planning is good because he's saying, look, I encourage it. Live and say, God, if you give me life and I want to do what he wants me to do, if he wants me to live, I'll live and I'll be able to do this and I'll be able to hire that CFO for the company. I'll be able to go on that vacation. I'll be able to make those plans. If the Lord wants you to, I'll have the opportunity. He's not saying don't plan. What he's saying is this. Planning apart from remembering God, planning apart from including God, it misses the mark. We've missed something. It's not that you say, well, I don't even know that I have tomorrow, so let's live like there's no tomorrow. He says, no, be prudent. Be prudent in your life. But don't be the other, most of us, we tend to be in, it's like, it's like politics and everything else. Everyone tends to be in one stupid ditch or another, right? No one, we, just, we always go to one bad extreme or another. So the, the crowd that says, I'm not even thinking about tomorrow, these guys are like, you should think about tomorrow. But James is like, yeah, but you're thinking about tomorrow as if you have something you don't have and you've forgotten that God's involved in this thing. 
What I'm saying to you is remember that you can't guarantee tomorrow, but someone knows about tomorrow. It's him. So say, Lord, if you want me, thank you for the life you've got. I've got. If you want me to have more, I will. What do you want me to do? I want to come back to this first momentarily, but let me carry you to the next one real quick. Verse 16, James says, Otherwise, you're boasting about your own pretentious plans. And all such boasting is evil. What we tend to do is we tend to just, not meaning to be prideful, we just tend to kind of assume that things we can't assume. I think we, we try to guarantee things we can't guarantee. And James says, don't make some pretentious plans and, and assume things and take things for granted because in doing so, that's prideful. And pride really is the root of all of our sins. And when we get so busy being prudent, being under control and, being, and, and having the rain, our hands on the reins that we forget God's part of it, we make a big, big mistake. And I understand the desire to be independent some of us, we love, we, we love the idea of being independent. But, and sometimes we get to be independent as we get older, but not fully. Like some of you, you're independent or you want to be independent of things that are kind of over your head right now. Like maybe your boss. You're like, man alive. You know, you get along with the boss because you have to, because you need the money. But man, if, you, if that lottery, if you finally won that lottery tomorrow, you know, if you just, or whatever, you know, because you don't play the lottery maybe because you know it's a waste of money. Another story. But, but whatever. You, your, your ship came in. You invested into that, e, you know, that EV stock. And it, it went 100x. And you're just all of a sudden rolling in the big, you know, the big money. You're rich. You go in that Boston bar and you be like, hey, take this job. and job. You know, I'm out of here. You know, I mean, I, you know, I'll tell you what I really think because, because I don't need you no more. The fantasy, you go to bed and dream about being, waking up independent and what I would do, you know, burn that bridge. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I need the job back. Whoops, you know. <laughs> about yesterday, that was a mistake, you know. No, but you know, if you, if you could suddenly be independent, you'd, but you know why you don't go to the job boss now and do that? Why you don't say your mind now? Because you need to work tomorrow because you need, right? So you'd like to be independent, but you're not. And it's like teenagers growing up and becoming young adults and they want to get on their own and they don't, they've, they've lived and they feel old enough to want to make their own direction and decisions and mom and dad is just, you know, they just want to be independent, but sometimes they need a roof over their head or some food or some help. And so, you know, they can't just run away and ignore them. By the way, at the job, if the boss is a jerk, that makes it complicated. Or if you're a rotten employee, that makes it complicated. But even in a healthy relationship, even if a good boss in a good company, wouldn't you like to be independent? But you aren't, so you play nice. It, it, growing up in a home, hopefully your parents are good parents and you're a good kid, but, but you want to be independent. And if it's, if it's goofy, that's, that's extra hard. But the point is, is that we want to get to the point where we're like, I don't need you, so I can choose to be close to you, but I don't have to be because I don't have to consider what you want because I'm my own person now. We all like that independence, especially as Americans. But the problem is, we get to a point where we almost think we're independent as we get older and more established and financially sound. But we're never independent of God. The difference with us and God is that God is not always there like that boss, hey, you're two min 10 minutes late to work. Or that parent, hey, you're past curfew. God sometimes is quietly standing there and we forget you don't see him. And so James is being the, the guy who's like, I'm reminding you, how do you know about tomorrow? What do you mean? I'm making plans. How do you know about you have tomorrow? Well, I don't, okay? Who does? God does. Oh, yeah, him. We're not independent of God. 
And James says, well, why are you living your life as if he's not there? Like, just, you can't. Because he's, he's got his hand over the whole thing. So what you ought to do, back to verse 15, what you ought to do, what you ought to say is if the Lord wants us to. Because that's, what, that's the bottom line. If he wants me to, I have life this long because God gave it to me. I'll have more if he continues to. If he wants me to, I'll live. If he wants me to, I'll do this and that. Lord, what do you want me to do? Now, let me pause right here and say something that if you're a longtime religious person, you may have done something really weird with this verse. And I'm going to call out the weirdness. So don't get mad at me now. And if you're not a longtime religious person, you might think this is silly, so you can feel free to laugh at us religious people. That's fine. We deserve it sometimes. I grew up in church culture where I saw people read this verse and they somehow got scared because, you know, I don't know that I have tomorrow. Life's like a vapor that appears and vanishes. And so they say, oh, this verse says that I've got to say if the Lord wants me to magically before I make any plans. Or we probably learned it in an older English translation like the King James. So we'd be like, if the Lord wills. If the Lord wills, we will do this and that. So they, they're like, so I grew up with people who all the time were always like, if the Lord wills, that's the magic phrase, like an abracadabra, spoofle dust. If I say that phrase, then I'm, I'm safe. Because if I don't say that phrase, I'm like, God's going to smite me. So um, I'm like, um, we're going to go tomorrow. If the Lord wills, we're going to go there tomorrow. Don't smite me, almighty smiter. I'm, I said it right. You know, I said the magic words, so take care of me. Um, if the Lord, and it's, it's weird. Like somehow it's some kind of a little, James is giving us a cliche. So it's like, We'll see you tomorrow. If the Lord wills, we'll see you tomorrow. And that's really kind of weird, but it kind of, you get away with it in church culture because someone does that and you're like, oh, that sounds kind of spiritual. So I should say that too. But it's really weird to your, to your unsaved coworkers. The ball, <laughs> at their job, they're like, okay, see you next week. If the Lord wills, I'll see you next week. What's wrong with them? I don't know, you know. It's not a magic cliche. That's not what James, James is not saying. Start saying these words too magically, then you're okay. Or you know how we heard it. Lord willing and the creek don't rise. Don't know if that creek's going to rise or not, but Lord willing and the creek don't rise. You know, I don't know how that makes everything better. You talk to somebody who lives nowhere near a body of water. Hey, so we're going to do something next week. Well, Lord willing and the creek don't rise. I'm going to... Is there a creek here? I don't even see one here. I don't know, but okay, you know. Uh, we get weird. That's how humans are. What James is saying is this. I'm not giving you a cliche, James is saying. He's saying, I'm telling you that what you ought to do as you're making your plans for tomorrow and starting that business and making a profit and going to the city, what you ought to do is remember that good for you to look ahead. But listen, you don't know that you have tomorrow. Life is like a vapor, like a morning fog. It comes and it goes so quickly, so unexpectedly. And that's to remind us that we are not in control of our own tomorrow, and we ought to be saying the Lord knows. If the Lord wants us to, well, if the Lord wants us to, we'll do this or that. I need to include the Lord. I need to remember the Lord. What do you want? Because if the Lord wants us to, we will. So what do you want? In other words, what James is saying is this, that God needs to be the first thought in our decisions and not an afterthought. That sometimes we can make him the afterthought. We're like, okay, I'm doing all the right things, making my plans, um, don't want to jinx it at all, so don't walk under any ladders, rabbit's foot in the pocket, salt of the shoulder, did the God mention, you know, said the magic phrase, went to church, got that box in my life, whatever it may be. 
But sometimes we just, we kind of operate as if he's not even part of the thinking process. My plans, my goals, my aspirations, my dreams, my future, my desires. And God needs to be the first thought in our decisions, not an afterthought. Not like, oh yeah, yeah, of course, God. God bless that, bless that, by the way. He needs to be the first thought. Here's how this looks. It's, it's kind of what you do on Sunday mornings in a way, by the way. I always say this, if you hear me pray often on Sunday mornings, I always, I always try to remember this, that every time you show up to church on Sunday, maybe it's because you're, you're a traditionalist and that's what you do on Sundays, I don't know. But one of the things we're doing, whether we're thinking about it or not, on Sunday mornings we're saying, I'm starting a new week, I'm going to start it with God. I'm starting a new week, I'm not going to start it and then try to remember, oh, I forgot God. I'm going to begin my week with worship. Begin my week saying, God, you're at the start. That's awesome. That's wonderful. That's giving God, the Old Testament term was the first fruits of your time as well as your money. Good for you. But I think it's bigger than that. I think it's that part where we say, Lord, in everything I do, I want to include you. In everything I do, I want to include you. So, because I, everything I have has come from you, and I don't know what the future holds, but you do. If you want me to, I'll live. If you want me to, I'll do this and that. God, I want you to be my first thought in my decisions, not an afterthought. And, and again, as, as James is saying this, his audience, which is, which is a Jewish believer audience, would probably be familiar with the ancient Hebrew scriptures pretty well. They might remember that the ancient King Solomon, David's son, wrote a letter, called, wrote a book called the book of Proverbs. Most of it was him, not all of it. Wrote it to his children. And in, and in the book of Proverbs, Solomon addresses this very idea in Proverbs 3, verse 5, when he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding, your own planning, your own game, your own will, your own machinations, your own, your own workings. And then he gives them a statement. He gives them a statement that is so concise and helpful, we all ought to commit it to memory and write it down somewhere. In verse 6, he says this. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Lord, what's your will? And he'll show you which path to take. That's what, James, that's what James is saying. That's what James was saying when he said, you don't know about tomorrow. So what you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Lord, as I'm making my plans, as I'm starting this day, as I'm going on, Lord, what's, what's your will? What do you think? What do you want? What, what do I have? I'm remembering that it all comes from you. I'm recognizing your hand in it all. I'm turning to you. When we seek his will in all we do, he shows us which path to take. And James says that's how we ought to operate. Not to not plan because we don't know about tomorrow. Because there might be a tomorrow and a next year and a next decade. You need to think ahead a little bit. But there also might not be. And that's only God knows that. So seek him. Say, include him, put him first. And that's how we do it. And then James, and back in our, in our main chapter, James 4, James ends this passage. He ends this passage with a powerful statement, kind of a pointed statement in verse 17. James says, remember, remember it's sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Remember it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. So James is calling these people, these planners, these prudent people, and saying, yeah, you've, you've got your plans good for you, you forgot God. 
You've gotten presumptuous. You've got, you got plans that you've made that you don't know you're going to have. You've taken things for granted. And you've not considered what God wants or his hand. You've assumed a future you don't know you have. It's a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. What is the thing you ought to do? Turn to God and figure that out. By the way, it's what I said at the beginning. Because it's so tempting to be so sure of our future that we promise to do what we should do in the future. Well, in the future, I'll do that so that we're free to do what we want to do right now. And James is reminding us so carefully that right now is the right time to do the right thing. That right now is the right time to do the right thing. I asked you a question at the beginning of this message. I said, if today was suddenly over in your last moments, if you had the chance to think, what would you say, man, I didn't know. If I wish I wish I knew. I would have made this right. I would have done this. I would have prioritized that. Or if you suddenly knew you had a week or a month to go and it was over, what would you suddenly say, man, I... I, I got to change what I'm focusing on. I got to change what I'm doing. I've got to figure out. Not because we would, all, obviously, we'd all change to some extent what we're doing if we had a week or a month left. But I mean, there's some important things that I have just punted because I figured I'll just, that someday. But man, I got to do this now. What is that thing? I asked you at the beginning, what's that thing? Is it taking time for God and your, that you're getting ready to see? Would you suddenly find time to pray, to talk with him, to walk with him, to hear from him? Would you suddenly look at that marriage and find those fights are petty and bring some healing to that relationship? Would you make that phone call you need to make? If, if, if this was it, if all those best made plans you've made would be, it's just it. Would you apologize for something that you've been holding off? Would you forgive something you've not forgiven? Would you say some things to your kids that you need to say but you thought you could do it some other day? Would you finally give and do your giving while you're living in a way that you keep hunting because I'll, i got to do my thing now and once I get my goals met, I'll figure that out. I know I should, but I have time. Would you suddenly say, I need to give now, I need to serve now. With all the time I have left, I'm going to serve while I can and do something or something besides myself. I'm not, trying to put, I'm not trying to tell you what. What is that thing? If there's something you know you ought to do, but you just kind of push it back because we assume we have time that we might not have. We assume a future that we're not guaranteed. James is just trying to say, step back. You don't know that. God knows that. Include him. And think about not just the future. Yes, don't be a YOLO. You know, think about the future. Think ahead. That's wisdom. Don't, don't be reckless and jeopardize the rest of your life because you didn't, you didn't think. But, but don't only think of the future and forget what needs to be done right now. Include God because he'll, he'll help you. He'll, he'll show you which, he'll, he'll help you walk that line. He'll keep you in perspective. He'll, what did the verse say? I'll remember the brevity of my days so I can grow and walk in wisdom. And when you know what you ought to do now, right now is the right time to do the right thing. And that's it. So as we examine those, those are the verses today. As we examine those verses in context, I think that James 4 verses 13 through 17 can be kind of summarized in one sentence. Two sentences, actually, a short statement. That I'm going to give you that I would wish that you could remember this. It's kind of my, my summary of these verses right here. I think it's worth writing down or taking a picture or screenshot if you're online. This in two, I'm going to give it to you in two halves. This is kind of what James is saying in my 
understanding in these verses today. When you make plans, remember God. He's telling a group of people, you got your plans for next year, going to the city, taking a trip, spending next year, turning a profit. He's like, guys, you don't know you have that next. You don't, you don't have to but tomorrow. Life's a vapor. Life's a fog. He says, you ought to be saying, if the, Lord wa- if the Lord wants us to, I'll live and do this or that. When you make your plans, remember God. Because, part two, because remembering God may change your plans. Because remembering God may change your plans. Because you stop and, and all your best laid machinations are all figured out and all of a sudden you say, whoops, <laughs> oh yeah, I might be an independent body, but I'm not independent of my maker. And you remember and include God. Suddenly doing so might just change the plans. While you're saying, if the Lord wants me to, I'll live. Thank you for life so far. Do I get more? I'm asking for more. I want more. I don't know what you have in mind. Lord, if you want, I'll live. If you want, I'll do this and that. I'm making my plans for this and that. But what do you want? What do you want? When you, when you bring God back into it all. And I think on either side of that ditch I mentioned earlier, there's the crowd that says, who cares? I'll deal with God someday. Who, I'll, I won't even plan. I'm going to live wild right now like there's no tomorrow. Or the ones who plan and control the details of their life because they're in control. And either place, the careless or the overly careful, the reckless abandon or the careful prudence, it's always a mistake to live either way anyway without remembering God. When we remember God, he'll tell us the prudent person looks ahead and plans. When we remember God, he'll say, you don't know you have tomorrow. (laughs) He'll talk to both sides and say, do what you're supposed to do in case you have 10 more years, 30 more years, 50 more years, and do what you're supposed to do in case you have 24 more hours. That seems like a comp. How how do I do both? You can do both. I can plan in case I have 50 years, but I could also say, if tomorrow never, like Garth Brooks, if tomorrow never comes, will they know how much I love them? If tomorrow never comes, have I tried in every way, every day, to do the right thing? planning ahead. And I'm planning as if there's no tomorrow. And when we include God, because only one person who knows which one it will be is God. When you make plans, remember God, because remembering God may just change your plans. And probably for someone in this room, it's a little bit of turning to God and helping him order your steps for the future. And for some of us, it's remembering God and quit assuming that we can make a plan that can change the things we can't control tomorrow. It's just the humility of saying, I can't do this on my own. I have no guarantee on my own. So, with that in mind, what's the right thing to do? Because right now is the right time to do the right thing. So I want to come back to that phrase before we go. But I want you to see it in the context. So I'm going to read out loud those verses all over again. If you want to follow along. See this in the verses with me. Are you ready? James 4, beginning with verse 13. Look here, you who say... Today or tomorrow, we are going to a certain town, and we will stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, and then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, 
we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans, and all such boasting is evil. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. What a great guidepost. What a great few statements. What a great perspective in person or through a letter that James was giving to those of us who, one side or the other of the planning board, tend to forget there's some things we don't know. God does. Include him. Or, as we said earlier, when you make plans, remember God. Because remembering God may just change your plans. And that's so simple. It's so simple. And yet it's so transformative. There is somebody here today, I guarantee you, that I don't even know who you are. But if you just took these verses to heart, you just took that idea there to heart, it would change. It would change what you, you would, you would change some things you have not been addressing that you would know you ought to, but you've been pushing it aside. You've been pushing God aside because you figure, I'll get to that later. It would change how you start your day. It would change how you, it would change everything. It could transform, that simple idea that James is communicating could change the whole life of somebody if starting today we did what he said. And I hope that we will. And I hope that somebody finds a new path forward. Here's what I want you to do. Practically speaking, good for you. You started off your new week a new, a new week this, today by coming to say, God, you, got, you get first peace. That's good. I love that. I think that's wise. It's, we're, we're, we're challenged to do that. That's just wise in every part of our life. Listen, let me encourage you to take this step. On top of starting your new week with God, start each new day with God. Start Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday. If you forget, just don't stop. Just do it the next day. If you miss once, don't miss twice, you know. Make it a habit to start the new day and say, God, thank you. I didn't know if I'd have another day. You knew. I have today, it looks like, so far. Do I have tomorrow? I don't know. You know. I want to be responsible in planning ahead for my future. I also want to be responsible with not missing the things that need to be done if I don't have tomorrow. Lord, you are in control of some things I can't control. And I'm acknowledging my day at the beginning that I'm thanking you for that. I'm trusting you with it. I'm seeking you in it. Will you show me which path to take? If you want me to, I'll live and I'll do this or that. I'm remembering you as I make my plans. If some of us would start every day in some form of prayer for one minute, for one minute, for five minutes, for whatever it is, just take a minute to start your day realigning or aligning yourself with that great truth. It just might, it just might change everything for somebody and do good for all of us.